You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. New year, new series, and I'd like to enter, begin to introduce the new series to you by having you look at some pictures that are going to come up on the video screens. Some of you may have seen this picture as it kind of stormed the internet over the past few months. Um, this is the Ohashi Bridge in Japan. And according to internet, which if you read it on the internet, it's got to be true, right? According to the internet, this bridge boasts to be the scariest bridge in Japan. I would say that is the scariest bridge in the world. When I first saw this, I thought, how could you possibly even get your car up that bridge without it just falling backwards? But I want to tell you that that bridge is not as scary as it looks. Let's put up the second photo. That's what the bridge actually looks like. Let's put the comparison up. The deception and the reality. You see what's going on here is it's all about angle. It's all about positioning. It's all about uh, a deception in the far picture that was created by an angle um, uh, that made the bridge seem bigger than it really was. It's a deception as opposed to the reality. This bridge doesn't look too hard. We've probably been over bridges larger than that ourselves. So it's all about an angle that creates a deception. And so I began to think about that and I thought, how often in life do we position ourselves when there's a problem, when there's a challenge, when there's a situation, when there's a trial? How often do we position ourselves some way where the problem seems to be so big that we can't see anything else? The problem is in our forefront and it's all that we can see. And because it's in our forefront, we fail to see that God is so much bigger than the problem. In comparison to God, the problem is minute. How often does that happen to us? And it's with that in mind that I would tell you that the series that we're going to start today, and it's going to be over two other weekends, is called God is Bigger. And um, the series is a three-week study in the story of Gideon. The story of Gideon is found in Judges chapters 6 through 8. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to open up to Judges chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament, seven books in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. When you get there, I want you to hold your place. We're going to read uh, several verses from there in just a few moments. Um, let me go ahead and say something about your teaching notes. You could take your teaching notes out, but I would say hold on to them loosely this morning. Um, uh, there, there's just so much in the verses that we're going to look at that much of what I'm going to say is not in your teaching notes. Um, towards the end of my message, we'll, we'll get there briefly. And I just hate when I confuse you and I see you while I'm teaching, you're turning your notes up. and just So just have them out. You might only use it to take some extra space and we'll get to them at the end. Uh, who, is, who is Gideon? Uh, well, Gideon, um, though uh, you could look at him in Scripture and say, well, he's kind of timid and he lacks confidence. He was actually uh, the greatest uh, of, of the 15 judges uh, that we find in Scripture. As we probe into Gideon's story, what we're going to learn is that despite how the odds might seem to be stacked against you, despite how great the odds might seem, God will always see you through. Despite what your situation, your challenge, your trial, whatever it might be, despite the picture that you've uh, allowed to be in your mind and it seems like the odds are stacked against you, uh, God will always see you through. In fact, in other words, God is bigger. God is always bigger. God is always there in every single situation. 
He's always there. However, it's important that we remember that there is something required of us. God is always bigger, but he wants us to engage in a process with him. As he walks with us through the trial, the situation, whatever it might be, he he, he requires something of us. And so what he requires is that we recognize that God is sovereign and that God is faithful. And in the midst of our trial, our situation, our trouble, whatever it might be, that we have to continue to be um, tenacious in our pursuit of God. Even if the circumstance causes us to want to throw in the towel and give up, we continue to be tenacious in our pursuit of God and that we continue to be obedient in living the life that God has called us to live. It's all about availability. In other words, God is calling us to surrender. God is asking us, make yourself self-available in this process. God wants to teach us something in the challenge, in the trial. God wants to build our character. And when we make ourselves available, we'll find that it is limitless as to what God can do in and through our lives. Um, As we um, uh, begin to step into Gideon's story, we're going to look at the first 16 verses of chapter 6. But before we go there, I want to just give you a little background. I want to set up the story. So I want to give you a little context I want to tell you what's happening in Gideon, uh, Gideon, in uh, Judges chapters 4 and 5. Um, and then we'll look at chapter 6. I don't, you don't need to turn there. I could summarize this. What we find in Judges chapter 4 and 5 is that the Israelites have been under the cruel oppression of Jabin, one of the kings of the Canaanites. And they've been under his oppression for 20 years. And after 20 years, they finally get to a point and they say, God... I can't take this anymore. We need your help. And so they they cry out to God. And God hears their cry and he sends a deliverer. And under the leadership of Deborah, Jabin is destroyed. uh, And and all of the Canaanites are destroyed. And and they begin to enter into a a place of peace for 40 years. For 40 years, they live in a time of being committed totally to God, peace and rest. And then we find ourselves coming to Judges chapter 6. And when we get to verse 1, what we find is one of those, uh uh-oh, here we go again kind of scenarios. Let me read verse 1 so you can see what I'm talking about. Listen how it begins. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Um, what we find in the lives of the uh, Israelites is there was this reoccurring theme. There was this reoccurring cycle that continued to occur in their lives and it had four phases. And the four phases were commit, consume, consequence, and cry out. Let me say that again. The four phases were commit, consume, consequence, and cry out. Let me explain what I mean. Um, Here are the Israelites. Oh God, we worship you. We commit our lives to you and we will serve you and you alone. We will not bow down to the gods of our enemies, but we will set our minds, our hearts, and our focus on you. And they begin to live this way. But over time, this becomes this. And they become consumed. They become self-consumed with their own pleasures and their own desires. And they become consumed by the gods of their enemies, the temptations, the lures of the the gods of their enemies. And so over time, instead of honoring their commitment to worship the one true God, they begin to worship the gods of their enemies. 
And then after a while of worshiping those enemies, uh, those gods, they find themselves suffering the consequences. They fail oftentimes to recognize that what they're going through is a result of their own making. Uh, but they, God, what's going on here? Why are we suffering like this? This shouldn't be because we're your people. What's happening, God? Why aren't you taking care of us? And then they cry out, help, God, help me. We can't live like this anymore. Please help me. This week as I was preparing for this message, I began to think about this very thing, this cycle. And I thought, how often in our own lives do we find ourselves going through the same reoccurring cycle? Commit, consume, consequence, cry out. In other words, we say we have an encounter with God. We have an encounter with him and we say, God, here I am. I commit my life to you. Jesus, I know you died for me. Come into my heart. I, I commit myself and I'm going to live for you forever. I am committed to you. I will worship no other God. And we begin to live this way, but then over time, this becomes this very personally. And we become consumed with our old ways. We become consumed, self-consumed with our own pleasures and our desires. And then we become consumed with the culture around us. Somehow we begin to think that the culture around us has more to offer than God does. And so we forsake our commitment to God and we begin to worship the gods, the idols of the culture around us. And then after time, we find ourselves suffering the consequences. We too often fail to remember that it's of our own making. And so we call out to God. We, 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 we're complaining. God, why is I committed myself to you and now, and now I'm going through all this. What's this all about? And then finally, we get to a point, rock bottom, I guess, and we say, God, I can't live this way. I need you. Please intervene, God. We're crying out to you for help. And that's the exact place that the Israelites found themselves in. They had made a commitment. And then they became consumed and they were suffering the consequences and they cried out and this happened over and over. Commitment, consume, consequence, cry out. Commitment, consume, consequence, cry out. And they, they just went through this cycle over and over and over and over. And now what we find in the story is that they are suffering the consequences. They committed They've been consumed and now they're suffering the consequences. And the consequences were a group called the Midianites. Listen as I read verses 2 through 5. It says, Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They cried out to the Lord for help. Um, so the, the Midianites were a tribe of bullies. 
That's what it amounted to. They were a tribe of bullies. And because the Israelites made a willful choice to dishonor their commitment, God hands them over to suffer at the hands of the Midianites. And the moral of this portion of the story is, if you're going to play, you're going to pay. Am I right? If you're going to play around, if you're going to dishonor your commitment to God, if you're going to play, if you're going to sin, there's always a price to pay. There are always consequences for sin. You can't get away with it. And here's the price that the Israelites had to pay. We saw it in the verses. Um, uh, as I said, the Midianites were a tribe of, of bullies uh, and, and they were lazy. And so what would happen is they were such bullies that it forced the Israelites to retreat up to the hills and hide themselves in caves and shelters and strongholds. Meanwhile, the, the lazy Midianites were down in the valley and they were watching everything that they did. They watched them plant their crops. They, they waited till harvest time and then they moved their camp up into the hills. It says they were like locusts and they had these camels and they impoverished the land. It says they destroyed their crops. They destroyed their livestock. They left them with nothing. They impoverished the land completely. And this was not the life that God had intended for the Israelites to live. If we look into Deuteronomy chapter 28, I don't want you to turn there, but what we find in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is the promises that God gave to the Israelites for obedience. And in those promises, he says this, if you are obedient to my commands, then you will live as the head and not the tail. Well, when we look at this scenario with the Midianites, we can say they were not living as the head. They were living as the tail. This was not the life that God had intended for them. They had allowed the Israelites to steal away their identity. And the same thing happens to you and I when we cease to live the life that God has called us to live, when we dishonor our commitment to God, when we cease to live that life, when we willfully choose to uh, be consumed with our own self-pleasure and desire, when we choose to um, be uh, consumed by, by the culture around us, we stop living the life that God has called us to live and we deny whose we are. And we deny who we are. And we deny what God has called us to be and how God has called us to live. When we allow, or if we allow ourselves to live in such an unfortunate reality, my prayer is for all of us that we would actually do the same thing that the Israelites did. I know they were caught up in the cycle, but at least the last portion, the last phase of the cycle is that they cried out to God for help. And so I pray that if we're a people and we find ourselves stuck in this reoccurring cycle, commit, consume, a consequence, cry out. Commit, consume, consequence, cry out. Commit, consume, consequence, cry out. If we find ourselves continually living in that cycle, unable to break it, that we would cry out to God for help. And this is exactly what the Israelites did. They cried out to God for help and God sent someone into the situation to speak truth. Listen as I read verses um, eight, 7 through uh, 
7 through 10. Um, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. God sent a voice of truth. He sent a prophet into the situation. And we can tell, and this is typically true of prophets. He was a, let's not mess around. Let's get down to business. Here's the reality of your situation. And he was speaking on behalf of God. So God was saying to them, um, uh, I brought you out of the bondage of Egypt. And I brought you into the new land. A land of people who were your enemies. And I gave you their land. And the only thing that I ask is that you would not worship the gods of your enemies. That you would stay true to your commitment to me. But you didn't listen. You chose to worship their gods. Now you're suffering the consequences. Here you are because of your own choice. Well, nevertheless, because God is gracious and kind and loving and forgiving. And he's a redeeming God. He had a plan. God had a plan. When we, let me read to you a, a couple of other verses. Uh, in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Um, in verse 12, Gideon gets a surprise greeting. The angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is my, it's interesting because the scene has just changed. This is the first time that Gideon is actually introduced into the picture. And an angel comes and he says, uh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So it was a surprise greeting. It's interesting because when you look back to uh, verse 11, we see that Joash was introduced into the story in a very common way to the Bible. Uh, Gideon, the son of Joash. But now he's saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, in verse 12. And here's what was happening. God wasn't looking at Gideon, the man who was hiding out in the wine press threshing wheat. But instead, God identified him as he saw him becoming. And we need to draw from this because there's great spiritual application here. When God looks at us, he doesn't see us as we were in the past. He doesn't even see us as we are now, but he sees us as we are becoming as he works in our lives. And it's important that we understand this because far too often we um, identify ourselves by our past. We identify ourselves by our failures. And what we often do is transfer that over to say, and that must be how God sees me too. But it's completely not true. We see this truth displayed in the story of Gideon. That God looked at Gideon and he saw him as a mighty warrior. Uh, when God looks at us, he sees us as mighty warriors, I believe. He sees us as we're becoming, as the, there's a transformative work of the Holy, Spirit's in our, Holy Spirit in our life as we surrender to him. Uh, and then in verses 13 through 16, the final four verses, 
um, we see how God shows himself bigger than the Midianites. Listen to this. Let me read these last verses. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon asked a question that may not be unfamiliar to many of us. God, if you're with us, then why is all of this happening to us? God, it seems like you've abandoned us. And what, Midian, what Gideon was uh, failing to recognize is that the situation that the Israelites found themselves in was because of their own making. They were responsible for where they were. Listen, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're Asking God questions. God, wh why is this going on? I, I, God, have you abandoned us? I, I, what we have to do, it's okay to ask the question, but we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves. We need to have some honest self-talk. Uh, we, we need to allow others to speak into our lives so that we can determine, have we victimized ourselves because of our own doing? You may or may not have, but you'll never know until you let someone speak into your life, until you let someone help you, until you're willing to be honest with yourself. That's the only way that you can position yourselves to have clarity, I believe, is that you would be willing, that we would be willing to have honesty and let the Holy Spirit search our hearts. Well, um... Uh, rather than reprimand Gideon for asking the question, instead, uh, God calls Gideon to be the deliverer of the Israelites. Um, once again, Gideon asks after he's called, God, how? How can I do this? Uh, my family is weak and, and, and I'm weak. How can I do this? And I love uh, God's answer. It's a Gideon, I'm bigger than your problem. I'm bigger than your situation. That was the kind of answer it was. He's Gideon. This is my paraphrase. It's all okay. I'll go with you and you will strike down the Midianites. I'm going with you. You are a mighty warrior. You go in the strength that I have given you. God's call for Gideon to be the deliverer and God's promise of his presence was the key to the success in defeating the, the Midianites. And God had called and God had said, I'll go with you. And so what do we, what do we pull from this story of Gideon, this first part? Well, let me ask you, are you lacking clarity? Uh, do you find yourself in this cycle? Oh, God, I'm committed to you. Oh, I want to serve myself. 
I love what the culture says. Oh, these consequences are so hard. God, help me. And we go through that cycle over and over and over again. Listen, that is not how God has intended for us to live. That's not God's plan for us. That's not what he wants. God wants you to be a mighty warrior. God wants you to be leading the way, bringing the culture into the kingdom of heaven. Not the other way around. Not the culture bringing you into themselves. And if you find yourself, if, if you're honest with yourself and you say that, that, that cycle continues and it continues and it continues and it continues, then you don't have to face that alone. There is help. Obviously, God and the Holy Spirit want to walk you through that and want to see you break that cycle. But here's what I want to say. As a church, we have so much resource that we can offer you so that you don't have to live life in a way that God didn't intend. Earlier, Lisa talked about the, 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 the power of being involved in a small group as she talked about our, our group launch that's coming up. And we have groups that will help you, uh, come alongside of you and, and speak truth into you and help you break these cycles. Um, one of the, here, here's one that I would recommend highly. Oftentimes, many, I've heard people say, I, I just am not able to go to a group during the week. Well, beginning two weekends from today on January 19th during the 930 service, uh, we're going to be offering once again the class uh, Victory Over the Darkness. And I, I have to say, it's, it's, it's not just a class. It's, it's a 12-week gathering where the Holy Spirit is at work bringing revelation, the power to break these very kinds of cycles. Recognizing, helping you recognize who you are in Christ and the power that's available to you. And I would say if you find yourself in one of these, living these cycles reoccurringly, then do everything you can. Start coming to the, uh, you keep coming to the 11 o'clock service. Yeah, you keep coming here and go to 930. And, and uh, we, we just finished this class a few weeks ago. And the testimony that comes from this class is powerful as people began to experience breakthrough in their lives. It's one of many classes that we offer, but I, I would highly recommend it because it's geared towards this very thing. God wants you to live the life that he's called you to live. He wants you to have great clarity of whose you are and who you are so that you can learn to live according to his plan and his word. You don't have to do it alone. God wants to bring you clarity. Now, let me give you a chance to get to your notes. <laughs> Lessons from Gideon. God sees and relates to us as we can be. We move forward confident of God's presence and his power. We must not allow circumstance to, circumstances to determine our belief about God and his word. Um, have faith. Choose to act your way into effect. So what does that mean? It means have faith and be willing to surrender and cooperate with God. And finally, God's work through your weaknesses is for his glory. God will bring glory through your trials, through your tribulations. God is bigger. But you have to position yourself in a way to recognize that God is bigger. Would you stand? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you that you are bigger. I pray that you would help us to be a people who would position ourselves rightly so, so that we could have clarity. And that we are a people who always allow the problems to be in the background because we placed you in the forefront, recognizing that you overshadow, you are greater than any circumstance, any challenging situation that we could possibly have. You are bigger. God, thank you for your presence in this place. And I ask that you continue to do a work in us as we leave. Uh, we, we ask for clarity of vision. Give us great spiritual insight, I pray. And I pray this in the most powerful name. That's the name of Jesus. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.